afternoon to you all. Thank you very much for coming, guys. Um, and welcome to this week's episode of In Conversation. I'm your host, David Gavigan, and today we'll be discussing the internet's impact on the Irish film industry and cinema. Uh, joining me in discussion are Alan Fitzpatrick, uh, Managing Director of Film Base Ireland, Marie Caffrey, uh, film producer whose recent web series Cuckoo has garnered much critical acclaim, uh, Thursday King, uh, a casting director with Louise Kiley Casting, and Patrick Stewart, the Public Relations Officer with uh, the Irish Film Institute. Guys, thank you all very much for joining me today. Thank um, you. if I can start with you first. Um, I suppose as Managing Director of Filmbase, uh, you are very much the hub uh, of Irish filmmaking. So speaking generally, what's the main impact the internet, the internet has had on both the business process and filmmaking process in recent times? Uh, good, good question. I think it's it's something that people are trying to get a real handle on at the the moment, um, and I don't think it's had as much impact here in Ireland as as it has, uh, particularly in the states where it's starting actually to become um, uh, to offer real business opportunities and creative opportunities for people, and that's starting to seep into Europe. And I I do think genuinely that Ireland is a little bit behind that, but that may not be a bad thing because I think. Um, uh, for film creatives and people who are looking to create content and then uh, business entrepreneurs behind that perhaps we can kind of leapfrog some of the the early uh, developments that have been having uh, out there um, I suppose the, the first thing is it it's really democratizing filmmaking um, I, like traditionally a film base has been going for almost 30 uh, 30 years and a while back it would be very difficult not impossible but it would be very difficult perhaps to make your first film without getting some support from an agency like Filmbase and um, backing into the schemes that we would have run perhaps with RTE or TG Cahar or others to get a platform for that, that work now that's entirely changed um, digital film production equipment has kind of dropped the costs um, everyone's got a phone in their pocket now you can actually make a film uh, on the technology everyone is keeping in their pocket in, in this room uh, and with the internet you can find your own audience now that's not easy it's 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 very easy to say that that exists uh, the potential for that it, it exists but um, but it is possible and we're starting to find and, and encouraging people to, to find um, ways to create their own films and then to get them out there to audiences without needing to come through us or a traditional gatekeeper like uh, RTE or a broadcaster or anybody else um, so that's becoming possible and within that becoming possible I think the opportunities are going to start becoming much more apparent for people over the next uh, couple of years um, possibly I mean I, I, I think we might come into it maybe a little bit later in the discussion there are some very interesting examples of how that is developing in in a world uh, context and and what that may mean for for people who um, spot the opportunities here in in Ireland but but I think maybe just to allow other people to come in and kind of just say I think that may be where we're at in the industry at the moment okay um so how has the internet enabled the nature of your own work at Filmbase? Um, it's again, it's it's widening the opportunities for people. Uh, you know, the, there is the the Storyland initiative at, at uh, RTE, um, and you know, Marie, I think will, will certainly be able to kind of come in and, and offer a perspective on on this. 
um, which again is finding another way to find filmmakers. Now that's not something that we're involved uh, in, but the people who are making Storylands tend to be the people who are coming into Filmbase uh, as well. Okay. And all of a sudden they're finding they have another way of creating work and connecting with an audience. And it's different uh, because, you know, if you make a short film, uh, usually what people are trying to do with a short film, which might be eight minutes, 10 minutes, 12, maybe 15 minutes long, but they're trying to make one self-contained little piece. They're trying to make a uh, they're trying to make a very strong piece of work that shows that they're good storytellers, that entertains an audience, that informs an audience, but is one bite-sized piece of uh, of work. You watch it, and then you move on to the next thing that you're going to to watch. Uh, whereas the internet does allow for what has started to become very popular, which is the web series concept. Uh, and you come back and you watch another episode or you develop a story over uh, a period of time. And that's a very different form of storytelling. That That is storytelling which is designed to, uh, uh, to develop uh, over time. And it is more akin to television than film. Um, so I think those storytelling structures, uh, by osmosis, they're going to start seeping in. And I, I think the emerging filmmakers may start thinking about stories in a, a, a very different way. So we're at the stage where I think we're beginning to see um, a shift. Uh, and it's slow at the moment, but it is there, whereby people are starting to move away from thinking in very traditional film making uh, in a very filmmaking sense and into something which is just content delivered in a, a more regular recurring ongoing uh, format. You think it's slow? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, I would have just thought from, from my own point of view, I would have thought it would have been a lot, a lot faster. Um, I would have thought it's, it's, it's gathering pace at the moment now, but you, you do think it's still quite slow at the moment? I, relatively speaking, I do think it is, and and probably because you know the honest answer is it's it's easier to make one single standalone piece of of work than to make four or five or six. So for for someone uh, who may not have a lot of resources, who may not have the backing behind them to go and make it, um, getting you know getting friends, getting equipment, getting locations, getting everything in place to go and make uh, one single piece of 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 work. Um, it's still a big undertaking, but to try and do that maybe six times over is a much bigger uh, un undertaking. So, uh, so people doing that completely independently is slower to take off, but it is starting to happen, and we we are getting a lot more requests. I mean, we get a huge amount of requests every week. Someone approaches us um, looking for independent support for a short film. Um, and we're just not in a position to, to help most of those uh, people. Um, but now we're starting to see uh, an increasing number of requests coming in for people who are making web series. Um, okay. So it is starting to happen, but, but still I would note that the number of, of requests uh, certainly is still majorly stacked in terms of, let's call it more traditional film uh, filmmaking. Okay. Um, you work closely with emerging filmmakers. Um, what opportunities has the internet made available for filmmakers to jumpstart their careers that might not have been there in the last like fifteen years? I, I think the biggest one is is to be able to uh, to find an audience. Um, like you know, at, at Filmbase, uh, we will get uh, for any of our funding schemes, we'll get two hundred and fifty, maybe three hundred applications for a round, uh, and we can fund two projects out, out of that. So it's a very, very, very small number of, of the people who come to us for financial support that we can, uh, we can help. Um, 
But if you can, uh, and so what we never want uh, is the responsibility of being the people who say, yes, you can now become a filmmaker because we have given you this support. Um, we very much want to be able to say, well, we can support a very small number of, of filmmakers and perhaps make that journey a little bit easier for them. But anyone, uh, anyone else uh, should still be able to go and make work themselves and to find an audience. And, and I think the internet allows the possibility that you can create a buzz about your own project. Um, crowdfunding allows the possibility of raising some money for that completely separate to the funds we or anybody else would have available as a, a funder. Uh, and then there are different platforms that you can use to try and build an audience for that. And if that is successful, then it, it helps you to show uh, other people that you are a good filmmaker. And not only are you a good filmmaker, but you are entrepreneurial enough about wanting to be a filmmaker that you uh, that you will find your own opportunities. Um, so that's, uh, that's really, uh, I think it, it's inspiring and I think it's empowering for people just to know that those opportunities uh, are there, that they can create those opportunities uh, for themselves. Um, Marie. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, you recently produced the award-winning web series Cuckoo. Uh, I suppose for people that don't know what that is, would you like to explain? Yeah, sure. Uh, Cuckoo is a four-part web series. Uh, it's a drama comedy. It's about a girl who thinks her parents kidnapped her. And um, I made it through the RTE storyline scheme actually two years ago, 2012. And what happened was we made two episodes RTE and then um, because it was kind of like a competition, it was voting, we didn't get enough votes to finish the last two episodes. So what we did was we did a small crowdfunding campaign and uh, we made four episodes. The reason why we wanted to finish the whole four episodes, which was six minutes each of 27 minutes altogether, was because to enter film web festivals worldwide, you need three episodes. And it didn't also seem fair to us to have only two episodes and then not have two more to finish the story because it just wouldn't feel right. So when we did the whole four episodes, we were happy that we had that. And then I, um, at the time, two years back, there wasn't really that many web series. There was around maybe, I don't know, 10 or so. So I hit the main one, was, which was Marseille and LA. And when I approached them and um, they invited us out to a screen in Marseille, I then got to know other uh, web series makers. And uh, there was a really good community of web makers out there and a lot of people um, involved who have made their own web series have started up other web series as well. And uh, we all seem to be in touch a lot on Facebook, but there's a really good uh, community out there. And um, because I did festival round like the whole of last year, I pretty much traveled to a lot of different festivals, just meeting people in that. Um, there's, um, there's a really good buzz, but um, what was I gonna say? <laughs> there is um there is a good buzz but there's also um I think it's definitely growing and the quality out there has really improved from two years ago. That was I think that surprised me the most when I first went out to Marseille and I saw a few web series and then this year it was like wow they've got really, really better and not with a lot of money, but just um just better stories and not, they weren't short films they were stories that had like some people were, were season one which was ten episodes of two or three minutes 
other people had four episodes of 20 minutes so there there's kind of a funny thing with web festivals as well because there's no set um timing so sometimes they say oh you have to keep your film or your short sorry your web series to 10 minutes um, you've been a web festival and you'd show your web series and you show two episodes in 10 minutes but then another person might show one episode in 20 minutes so it was kind of uh it was there's no standard there a bit up in the air yeah it's a bit up in the air and all the web festivals are up in the air but there's just a really i mean i've done short films before and like if i'm on facebook and said this is my short film can you share it people share it but if i go into a web series and i go this is my web series can you share it you'll see everyone will start sharing it and that's that's a really special because i think everyone is in the same boat and they're like how do we promote this or there's some festivals in the us and someone say to me there's a lot of work um like online marketing and i'm just really trying to learn all this stuff so i'd say jonathan can you put something together for me to promote it there and he'd add it to his web series so it looked like this is my american series and this is the irish series together so there's kind of a lot of joining together to i just um i, I think it's fairly strong the other thing was about to say again as well is uh well maybe just going on a little bit of funding or that i think of you i'm emailing people a lot just anybody in the industry newspapers magazines anybody who's anybody because first of all when everybody asks me hi how are you doing what are you up to i'm doing this 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 and i want everyone to know what i'm doing because word of mouth and then when i see that person next year and i'm like what are you doing i'm doing this oh i'm doing this and then i think harboring good contacts or staying in touch with people really can surprise you there was a person i contacted two years ago and he's now got a position and he contacted me going oh that series i want to show it now and i'm like oh that's good and that came out the blue so um and the other point i was going to mention as well is i think digital is exciting because a lot of companies now like media companies or even normal companies like furniture companies tourism companies they all now before they didn't have a budget for digital now it's like oh we have a budget for digital and they don't really know i mean they do but they're quite not open about it it's not like if i approach them go can i do a short film about your product they're like okay but i'm gonna do a web series it's digital they don't have kind of marketing uh, they don't have budgets for maybe short films but Mm. they would have a budget for digital and um, I think that's nice. So you can kind of maybe show them your password and then you can get in there and you don't need a lot of money. You can say, look, I can do a really good web series, a couple of little short uh, pieces for very little money. And I think that's an area to really work on. That people are, they do have budgets for digital mm-hmm. and they're open. If you can do, if you can do something there, they look at it as, as good. Can you, um, can you tell us a bit Sorry. about the um, the Storyland process? Yeah, Storyland was um, it was two years ago, and we um, I don't know how many I think a hundred people applied at the time, and uh, we applied for a drama comedy, and we were up against a couple of other projects, and um, we um, yeah it was really good. It was really good because I'd never done it before. It was my first time to do a web series. And RTE were kind of, they weren't really tough, it just I didn't know what to expect. So I do my show and then they say, okay, can you do like three 
two minute pieces and then you have to go online every night and you have to ask people to vote for you and that and it was really tiring it was like six months and the, myself and Dan and, and Nikki were just like it was like dude I can't do this anymore it's killing me it's like we have to and that was really hard because we literally going home eight hours on Facebook just asking people to vote yeah, I, think, then, I, think, I think people don't actually seem to realise that it is very much like a campaign you nearly have to it's, set out yeah it's almost it like you are selling yourself every night to try and get your your web it series was hard forward, work. You know? and then every time it was funny but yeah it was uh, it was hard work but it was really really good because what i also did as well all this stuff that orty said oh you have to do like uh these promos that was really tiring because we've done so much and I have to do promos but when I was applying for festivals, they asked me for so much. And I was like, okay. And I'm still using all this backstage footage. I'm still, um, so it was really good to have all that. And it was really, uh, and then when I went over to the States, to the festivals there, and you see th what the people have done over there. And they've done so much. And you think like, thank God I have, I have lots of stuff as well, because they really, I mean, I'm like going, yeah, you know, I just do web series. They're like, I'm doing web series. It's my mm. thing. And, I'm going to Comic-Cons and I'm dressing up as my character and I'm really like, they were huge about it. So you had to come up and be as big about it as well. But um, no, I, I found the storyline process, um, I found it really good. And I found being associated with RTE is really good. And then being on their website was good. And I emailed Jane a lot about different things and she was really good. I even asked her for a reference, so I was like, can you, I want to apply for this, can you give me a reference? And she did, a really so nice the, reference. The contacts that you've made from it alone. Mm. Yeah, so I, um, they were really, really helpful. And um, the thing about it is though, I've only made four episodes, so I really, I want, well, I'd like to continue the process because it would be, I'm, um, I want to continue it because I, um, I'm really attached to the story, but also I want to see how far I can push it. Mm. And when I was online talking to people on Facebook, um, I don't know, as a producer, I know it's everyone's baby, but I'm there doing the Facebook messages. I'm asking people to look at it. And then people are giving me back feedback and I really like it. And every time someone says that or says, you know what, it makes me think, you know, me and my mother, my daughter relationship, or if somebody, when you get a really nice comment that really pushes you to think, oh, I really want to do more. I want to push, I want to see where I can go with it. And that's what I've been working on ever so, since. So I take it then you're, you are more the uh, web series than television film. You prefer, or do you have um, a special place for? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to do everything. For me, it's, it's all a learning process. Um, I kind of, kind of really into marketing and to pushing and to seeing I'm just curious to see what I, what I can achieve. I mean, when I sent the web series to Aer Lingus, I didn't think they were going to put it on the airlines. And that was pretty cool. Because it's like, oh, you know what, that's, that's good. And then, when, so it's kind of trying to, and I was, um, the Irish Independent got in touch with me and they want to put it on their website, hopefully. I'm talking to them about that. And that was kind of, there is a, it's kind of challenging to see where I, where I can put it and I think the main thing as well is finding an audience finding who is looking at it um, our character is red hair 
So I contacted all the redhead societies, which is quite a lot. <laughs> there is there is a redhead society in Italy, in Holland, and the Irish Redhead Convention in Cork. And I didn't even know there was redhead societies. And they're a huge, huge gang. There's so many of them. So I'm contacting so that's new them. To me as well, I've, I've never heard that. Yeah, no, it's humongous. And then I think for me, is, there's two different things as well because when I, I had going to the states for the festivals. I went to Marker Studios or Maker, sorry, Maker, and I met them. And everybody I asked, like the like those videos, everyone. The first question is, what's your viewership figures? How many people? And I'm like, this is like a comedy drama. It's not a two. Sometimes I wish I had like two second pieces, like lots and lots of people to share, and I could have lots of viewers. But I don't because it's a drama, and you have to watch it, like each five minutes. So, and um, but. I see now, like my some of my friends in the states, they have drama web series or Vimeo, and that's mm. uh, I, I'm not famous, sorry, um, high maintenance, and that's kind of more like a story. It doesn't have to be like a maker. They're like, oh, you know, you have to be like a YouTube hit and you have to have YouTube stars. But I can't. I'm. I'd love to make Pagan or character or main actress to do like YouTubey stuff. But maybe th- I don't think that's going to suit it. I mean, I know there's the point of like vlogging and doing. There's just so much still to discover, and so yeah, it's um, challenging. But then you get the other side, which be active are doing, and instead of just doing web series, they're doing games, they're doing really interactive stuff. So the web series seems like there's it's just there's so much to discover, and it's really um, I think it's I, I think it's a good opportunity, definitely. I mean, get your work done, but try to. I think people are open to new ideas at the moment as well so can I jump in and ask yeah, more questions yeah. just then in terms Sorry. of like people who are making web series uh, do they still have a very kind of like traditional career path that they'd like to jump back into do you know what I mean would they um, you know do they really see like the web series as sort of the future or are they kind of like using those as a springboard to get back into sort of like television or feature filmmaking or? no they're especially in this well say it's in Canada they um, it's their thing it's, a thing. it's definitely their thing yeah definitely And uh, but there is one guy Bernie Sue and he's been approached by TV networks and he's doing TV stuff but um, I think yeah there is um, um, you know mm. it's a TV thing but, or, sorry just mm. to jump in like Netflix are making Orange is the New Black straight for online viewing only mm. Marco Polo um, you know, and Amazon are now uh, granted Ripper Street was aired on television as well, but it's very much for online communities also. Even the more there's so much noise on the traditional mediums that they are coming off and going for a very targeted audience that's already there and in, in an existing distribution channel because it makes sense for them. Um, so sorry. Sorry, I was actually just about to move on to you, um, mm-hmm. Sorry, you're a casting director with Louise Kylie Casting. Yep. Um, can you tell us about uh, how you use the internet to find new talent? How I use the internet to find new talent? Okay, so, well, we're kind of, our job still relies on the traditional methods of finding new talent, so going to the theatre, watching films, that kind of stuff, because we want to see, we want to see you in action. Um, but what the internet has done is it's cheapened the cost of an actor approaching me. When I first started in casting, I would get on average 10, 15, 20 headshots and CVs 
from actors a week. So when I was not busy, I spent my time then trying to file them under M for, you know, McGuire or something, um, or M for Murphy. And uh, so that went into the Murphy file, which was one of 25 Lever Arch folders. Um, and uh, so then when I was doing the next project and I went, oh, I wonder who, who we have here in the folders. I'm sitting there looking at 25 folders going, oh God, where do you start? So the beauty of the internet is that it's made it really cheap for actors to approach me. So the 8x10s are not as expensive anymore. So they can, you know, as long as they've got a, a good high res that's now shrunk down to a small size headshot, they can attach it with their CV, which they can update as they need to, and whiz it over on email to me. And that's brilliant. It also means then, because I have soft copies of them, I no, no longer have the 25,000 headshots or or folders and uh, nor do I have the in tray of like CVs and headshots that I haven't had the time to file yet um, so it means that everything's always there and it means I have an online database so there's four of us that work together and we have one central database so if you send a, C a headshot and CV to either one of us it all goes into the same place so when we are looking for things um, and we're looking for new faces very much with them um, Red Rock, for example, we were very much looking for new faces. We went into our online database and started rooting around. Now, some of them, obviously, some details are out of date, and that's fine, but pretty much it's, it's up to date. And when an actor sends a new headshot and CV, we delete the old and we add the new. Um, so that's made it brilliant. That's made it really accessible for us. Um, so there's no need for the folders, which is great, because I, I never forget um, one folder that I had, the first, obviously, the first um, photograph that you would have is the one that you, uh, you see the whole time, because you open the folder, there it is. I didn't even know the actor. And uh, then I was walking down Grafton Street a couple of weeks later, and I saw this guy, and I went, oh, hi, how are you? And he looked at me going, huh? And then I realized, oh my God, I don't know him at all. He's just one in one of my folders. He's just the first photograph in one of my folders. It's so embarrassing. I thought I was in college with him or something. So yeah. Um, so anyway. So what did you do? Did you just say, just say, point out, oh, that's not sure somebody <laughs> I else and walk off. I don't know what I said, to be honest. I'm sure it was more on a mumbling level than, than anything coherent. But um, so that's, that's really the major thing that it's done for us on New Talent. It also means that with people who, sorry, get involved in web series or um, short films that they have Vimeo links to, they can also send us that. So it's not waiting for the filmmaker to finish the film so they can have a DVD copy to go to a pro post house to pay them to copy it 10 times, to put it in the post. That, that's a lot of money right there. Um, and there's no guarantee that anybody ever put it into their DVD drive. So with a link, it's so much easier. You can just click and it's there. And it means that I, I watch so many more short films or showreels or whatever because, you know, I kind of go, well, I'm going to have a little break now, have a little cup of tea and I'll have a watch of this, you know. <laughs> so it makes, you know, it makes it much easier. Um, so that's certainly the two main reasons, the main areas how we find new talent and how the internet has really, really helped. I would imagine then with that though there's also the downside of the fact that you got 25 or 30 CVs a week. Mm. So I'd imagine that probably, I don't know, multiply it by 10 because it's so easy to send it in. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny. Um, like I, if I was to ask you, how many CVs do you get a day now? Yeah, do you know, it's not as many as I used to get. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did a course um, a couple
couple of weeks ago. It was a day-long course with actors who had credits, so there was a, a level of um, professional actors in the room. There was 30 of them. And the lady who was running it said, oh my God, you're going to be inundated now with emails, 30 emails. I said, no, wait till you see it, I'll only get five. And sure enough, I only got five. I think also the email, because it is so easy, um, or it feels maybe perhaps a little bit more personal putting yourself out there because you're contacting someone directly. Uh, maybe making a letter and putting it in the post is, is a little bit more distant or something, but I seem to get less emails than you would think, right. which is strange. Um, but yeah, I mean, if anyone is um, thinking about sending an email, um, please either make it personal or put it into blind copy because it's never nice getting your headshot and CV inc included with, you know, your email in included with 150 other ones, random ones. And nobody likes that, so that's just a little tip. Uh, has there been an increase in the amount of funded web-based dramas that you're casting for? Well, to be honest, I don't really know the answer to that question. Okay. Um, the The last time I did a web series was the first round of Storyland. So that was like 2008, was it? Um, <coughs> I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and it was, and it's funny to, to, to hear you talk about the web series and to think about the one that we did. I did it with Blinder and it was called Psych Ward. And Hugh O'Connor played a, a psychiatrist in a hospital, in a mental hospital, um, who for various different reasons ended up um, not admitting a patient who then went on to murder his mother. So it was very much, looking back on it now, it very much was grounded in a very television-based series kind of format that was just shrunk to fit the web because it was um, still had, I mean, I, think, I don't know how long the episodes were, but I think they were about 10 minutes. Can they be 10 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, so they were quite long. So it just it felt like it was a TV drama that was suddenly made smaller and on the web. Uh, but yeah, the vote thing was, was that was tough. It was tough, yeah. yeah. But it, it also hard. led to a lot of uh, opportunities as well. Mm. Just getting in touch with lots and lots and lots of people. If you, if you get in touch with 100 people, 10 of them will reply back with something. Um, one girl over in the UK did her thesis on Cuckoo. And no that way. was just amazing. So now we have this like 100 page thesis just on Cuckoo. And she even translated it all into German. What? And, yeah. <laughs> And I'm going through it and such detail and it's amazing. Another guy wrote a book about web series and he contacted me and now we're in his book. So there's lots of, uh, yeah, unusual little quirky things. That's a physical that printed book, is it? <laughs> it is. I could have brought it in. I could have brought it in. Yeah, it's... Um, but you, you obviously never expected something like that. I, I can't no. imagine you ever expected your, a thesis to be written about it. Yeah, yeah. No. Did you no, notice anything that you guys hadn't noticed? Or did yeah. she come up with any ideas she, that you hadn't you had? No. But uh, she mentioned my thin legs. <laughs> and I, I was like going, a woman with thin legs comes out of shop. And I was like, they're my legs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was really, and it was really, it's, uh, it's funny that people, um, I don't know, just who might see it and like it and then do something with it that uh, I wouldn't have thought about. And um, it's, it's really nice because... It's a lot of hard work for one person, or you know, one person. I mean, I know I, do, I know the writer and director have done different things, and I'm still stubbornly marketing and pushing it. So when someone adds another thought or another comment, it's uh, it's nice because then it makes me think something different, or 
they might go, yeah, like this, and I mention it to my friend, or yeah. um, it's So what you're really funny. talking about is what they call engagement. Yeah, you know, engagement. you've got, you know, once somebody votes or they contact you or they see it in their friend's feed and they like it, you know, or something like that, you know, that's a level of engagement that, you know, is not, a, is not passive, kind of. Mm. Um, and then they go on to watch it and then they recommend it to their friends and they have that's that ability. Thing. That's the thing. And I think as well, what I really like about this is even though I did it two years ago, I'm still... Um, pushing it, pushing it and pushing it. I'm not like 20,000 views and that's it. I'm like, every time a new person comes on Facebook and likes to order to cook a page, it's like, oh, that's not really nice. Who's that person? I want to know more about them. Or there's always, um, it's always nice. It's not, <coughs> it hasn't stopped. And I think that's what I like about, even though I haven't done any other episodes in like two years, I'm still, uh, like last week for instance, we um, Pagan won a Best Actress Award in a web series magazine, and that was uh, that was pretty cool. And then now Storyland are putting it back with the new ep with the new uh, series that are coming out. They're putting Cuckoo onto the player again, so that's gonna push more. So it's not if you, I mean the story is, it's um, it's not you know time sensor or that. It's a drama. It, I mean, if I hopefully if I show Cuckoo two years ago or Cuckoo now in five years or six years or ten years, it'll be the same story. It'll be the same ideas, the same people. It's a good story, so it shouldn't. Um, there should be lots of you know. There's lots of opportunities there. It's like this is a glass of water. What can I do this glass of water to change it all the time to get somebody else to enjoy it or to look at it? It's just I look at it as a product, and then how do I how do I fit it on all these little boxes? And that's what I enjoy. <laughs> Sorry, touching on the, the marketing, what you said, Patrick, you're the, um, the public relations officer with the Irish Film Institute. Yeah. Um, the internet and obviously social media are m unbelievable marketing tool. Um, how do you use it with uh, the IFI? Well, um, it's a really important part of our kind of marketing spread now. I've been here seven, seven odd years and... Um, I was here when we were just starting to investigate sort of Facebook's opportunities for the IFI and it obviously um, took over our social lives very quickly but then there's a bit of a lag in, in figuring out how business is going to respond to that and we have, uh, we've always had a community of people in the IFI, I mean our membership has always been a big part of um, what we do here. Um, so there's always been that kind of sense of community and I think that's sort of reflected in sort of like physical design of the place as well. So Facebook and Twitter, which would be our kind of like two key online communities, um, have opened that up onto the uh, online world. Some people like Twitter, some people like Facebook, some people, you know, prefer to come in and talk to box office staff. Um, it allows us to get information out to a lot of people very quickly. Um, like I say, the engagement is incredible. Um, you know, people commenting, people resharing, um, people being able to ask questions, you know, whether it's a practical thing or whether it's um, giving their comment about the film that they saw last night and recommending it to a friend and tagging us in. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's, that's obviously a, a really um, strong part of what we do. Uh, and um, I work a lot with... Um, traditional media in terms of TV, radio, print and also online so there's a lot of um, 
you know, so some of those guys are still kind of like trying to, it's taken a while to figure out how their um, digital and online platforms, how, how they should look and what content should be on them, you know, like you're saying that, you know, the Irish Independent are looking for cuckoo, you know, for a while um, one newspaper was getting going by starting up a whole kind of like filmed web review service, but they weren't even posting the reviews that they had in print online you couldn't find them you know which was a sort of a crazy missed opportunity so there's a lot of kind of like working out and it is um sort of slow so yeah it's uh i mean one of the challenges of social media is of course that um they build up your community and then they sort of hollow you out because we uh, when we were, you know, first on Facebook, it seemed like the biggest sort of gift in the world, you know, that we build up thousands and thousands every month, you know, another thousand likes um, to our page. And uh, you can break down those figures into sort of what they call organic reach, which is like um, people who just see it on their newsfeed because of this algorithm spread um, of what Facebook will show to various people. Um, and that now is tailing off every month is tailing off tailing off tailing off because the facebook business model is if you want to reach those people mm. now you have to pay for it so they've built up this brilliant community that people really rely on and have certain expectations from yes. but then the organic reach goes down and down and down so it's hollowed out so i mean but you know that that's business and it's happened very uh, clearly with facebook but then there's also sort of like um, going to be coming down the line with twitter and everything and any new social network you know they get it's because of their business models where they get huge amounts of uh, funding in from the very beginning um, to kind of get them going, build the community, and then you know the investors eventually start saying, well, how are we going to get a return on this? You know? Well, I think even just touching on what you said with uh, with Twitter there reminded me of like last year I went to see a film, and uh, I think said that like I tagged myself that I was here, mm -hmm. and I think as far as I can remember, I think it was blue was the warmest color. Loved it. Thought it was great, mm -hmm. and. Uh, tweet got favorited and retweeted and yeah it's happened before with like Cineworld or whatever else but you don't I don't take notice of it but when it happens with the IFI I think because what you have here is more than just the cinema you, you are the Irish Film Institute mm. so that when that gets retweeted I was like oh well great. And I think it's community you know, you know it is community they, that's there that's yeah. a way to look at it um, but it's quite a different world what we do here to um, you know content that is produced specifically for web um, I found it quite interesting listening to you talk about going off to the state to these web festivals um, because obviously from feature films, um, whether they be American or European or Irish or British, you know, there's, it tends to be, unless they're probably Irish, they'll have to be picked up by a distributor first and that is all happening at sort of physical festivals, you know, um, and they and they remain really important. Um, so it's, you, we're, you know, we, people aren't gonna, you know, people don't come to the cinema to see short bits and bobs. So we are working with a very kind of like traditional um, type of product uh, that hasn't changed that much but then in terms of the festivals there are sort of inter-industry platforms like Sinando um, that are kind of changing that and interestingly one of the VOD platforms here in Ireland, Volta, was running a cross-European festival 
of uh, films that hadn't been picked up for distribution yet, a sort of a time limited uh, with other VOD platforms across Europe. So um, films like Out of Here, which haven't had international releases, were getting some international play on online festivals, which is maybe a kind of an interesting evolution, but can at I, the moment it's still very physical festivals. Can I ask you a question? Mm. Do you find that you get from your community, um, do people ask you if a certain film is going to be shown at the IFI? Because perhaps they've heard about it online or in other community groups that they're members of. Mm, definitely, definitely. And would that, would that um, assist in the curation of the, the seasons? Um, would you take that into account? Yeah, it would. Um, you know, we would take that into account and we would share it with the curators here at the IFI. Mm -hmm. I mean, the person running the Twitter isn't the same person yes, as the creator, but yeah, we would. And you'll find it in particular, um, which is something we'll kind of come on to about like the experience of being in the cinema. Uh, you will find people on the internet asking, like, are you going to be doing the master in 70mm? Are you going to be doing Interstellar in 70mm? We've heard that there's so a lot of kind of like classics and people that, you know, big screen focus. Um, but yeah, you know, um, people will say to us, why are you showing that one or why are you not showing that one? And, you know, you're never going to be able to please everybody oh, yes, at the same yeah. time. But, um, yeah, no, there, there is... Uh, there are films that, that we definitely kind of notice that there are people already asking about, and so that would kind of naturally feed into how we think it, it is because it is starting to happen. I think particularly in the states now, for independent filmmakers, this whole idea of request a screening is is starting to build up. Mm -hmm. um, I know that like the people behind Iron Sky and a, and a couple of other films. If you build a community mm. and enough people in a city go online and say, we want to see this film in Chicago, mm -hmm. well, at a certain point, it becomes a no-brainer. A, a distributor knows the audience is ready. Um, they've already signaled they will go and buy uh, tickets. So that that's starting to, I think, become a little bit of a tool that filmmakers are putting in their arsenal now is to build those tools online. And if they build their audience early enough before they start shooting, that they will then go and request cinemas uh, to go and put the, the mm. film on. So I think we'll probably see that starting to emerge a little mm. bit more as well. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, we haven't really noticed anything kind of in a very formal way here, but yeah, it would, yeah, developing ahead of steam with yeah, people asking and requesting and sort of shaping our programming and questioning the programming and, uh, you know, starting dialogues with people, um, uh, uh, you know, starting dialogues with our curators. So, yeah. so Can I ask what the, um, what the main challenges you have in attracting audiences in? Well, I mean, in terms of, uh, and this is a really kind of a tricky, complicated area, I think, is in terms of the internet's effect and the internet's challenges to us would be video on demand. So um, what you're finding now is, uh, whereas we can say traditionally, um, there would be a cinema release, you know, there would be several months through to a VHS and then DVD and then Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Rental would have been a nice Well, buying gap. the rental release. You know, that would be sort of a nice gap. So we'd have our share and then, but probably, well, certainly as a response, mainly to online piracy, um, those windows have shortened right down. So from the point of view of like the big studios, they still have a certain window, but then a lot of... Um, independent films uh, and that we, you know, always art house, you know, uh, the cultural releases, they 
for example, in the UK, there's uh, Curz and Film World have their own video on demand platform. The BFI now have their own bi uh, video on demand platform. Here in Ireland, we have Volta, um, which have deals with various distributors. So those windows are shortening, shortening right down to it's very common now, actually, that you can go onto Volta or you can go onto Curz and, and see something the same day as it's released here. Um, so the impact of that, because we were only one cinema and the video on demand figures are less than transparent, they, you know, they don't release them. Box office figures in the cinema, you know, get reported every week and there's really clear reporting, but teasing out exactly how that affects us is, is kind of an interesting game, but it's quite difficult because when you look at it like, um, in some ways it can be good because um, it's building an interest in uh, independent cinema. It's allowing people around the country who don't have access to the IFI maybe to be keeping up with directors and then when they can get into us um, they come. Uh, so it's, it's not all bad. You might think that you know it's like sort of a direct competition. Um, cinema remains something important. Though. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean um Again, I, you know, I ask because you're coming into a very, very busy uh, period, I'd imagine, with Oscar season coming up. Yeah. And, um, you know, from what I've seen um, in years ago, I mean, even like two years ago, uh, Django Unchained went up as a uh, illegal download copy two weeks before it was even released in the cinema. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that can kill, like, films for people, you know? Um, yeah, but, 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 but then at the same time... Uh, but you, you, I mean, the IFI is niche in what it does, I mean, like the type of films that you get. Well, yeah, I mean, we're niche, but I think the a bigger difference is the, you know, whether you're at the IFI, which is, you know, I would say particularly good cinema, or you're at one of our competitors, you know, um, cinema in general offers something that um, sitting at home can't, you know. Uh, for the studios, it's the most profitable um, to have somebody pay for a cinema ticket compared to video on demand or DVD rental. Per, per viewing, they'll get more money out of that. But I think for audiences, I mean, obviously, you know, the projection is better. The sound, which is a kind of a hidden thing, is um, vastly better. Um, and then there's that un intangible thing of sitting in a cinema and something in our kind of brain psychology, I think, is particularly wired to um, communal viewing of things. And I mean, you see that most, you know, theatre stubbornly refuses to die because of that live connect. But also, but not just between actor and audience, but also, I think, between audiences. And that's what you get in film, because obviously actors aren't there, you know, directors not in the building, but between the audiences. And then it also fans out into kind of like the social life of the city, the social life of your night out and everything. Um, what you can do at home is a huge competitor to cinema, but in a sense, cinema's been competing with those people for a long time. The peak um, cinema attendances were in 1947, you know, and they've tailed off since then through the 50s in America where they started to have TVs in every home then in you know UK and Ireland a few years later but you know that television penetration started yeah. and you know 
you know, the graph absolutely sort of collapses at that point. But from that point on, you know, despite the fact that people have tablets now, despite the introduction of internet, despite the introduction of VHS home movies and everything in the early 80s, there is a core audience that, you know, refuses to die. And actually, over the past few years, um, has, you know, maintained despite new challenges. So that's why I'm kind of saying, even though you think that everything is competition, sometimes it can help build kind of interest and then people, for this next film, I want to go and see that in the cinema, yeah, you know. Um, What's the experience, for, in my point of view, anyway? I know that... Steven Soderbergh says, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, just because there's a takeaway doesn't mean that, you know, restaurants have all closed, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, what you can do at home, and in fact, VOD is competing with everything, you know, it's competing with your PlayStation games. Um, we haven't got to the stage where, you know, like we have a standalone night out kind of product um, that is not competing, is not part of the many distractions, it, you know, it's only a click away on Chrome or something. Yeah. I, I think television, is probably under more threat than cinema. Um, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, we find younger people now, and I, I've, I've found myself saying that recently. I don't know when it came to the point of <laughs> younger people, but but you find, you know, they they don't even connect to you know UPC or or cable services uh, anymore. The tablet is fine, or they'll watch on the the laptop, or they'll get a Netflix subscription, and they'll choose what to watch. And between that and Vimeo, and you know, getting links and mm -hmm. Facebook and everything else. That's fine. That's their viewing consumption at, at, at home or, or on demand is completely changing viewing patterns. And, and that sort of brand loyalty to television stations and the type of content that they show, I think, is really breaking down. Mm -hmm. but, but I think you're absolutely right. I think people choose to decide there is a type of film that I'll watch at home and there's a type of film that I will make the effort and go and see that in a, a cinema. So cinema, I think, has been holding up quite well, even though I think the patterns have changed. But, but I think the, the, the thing which is really in flux at the moment is, is how people consume content on TV and other devices. Mm -hmm. And even if they're looking at their TV, yeah. you know, how is that content being delivered to the TV? Is it through an HDMI cable from their tablet or is it, you know... Um, or, or, or are they watching TV? And I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. You know, this whole phenomenon of second device. Uh, I mean, I very rarely watch television without also playing on my phone or possibly my, my iPad. And, and maybe I'm looking at something completely different and whichever one becomes more interesting starts to get my attention. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I'm watching what other people are saying on, on Twitter. Yeah, or you're live really, engaging. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it, was, it was really interesting. Last night, Red Rock went out. The first episode went out last night. Um, because that's the one thing about television audiences that doesn't appear to be changing is that they will tune in for a serial drama. They will always tune in for a serial drama, perhaps maybe because there's a particular demographic that it really appeals to. But um, So Red Rock is, um, for anyone who doesn't know, um, who've been perhaps not at a bus stop recently, um, <laughs> it's TV3's new uh, serial drama. And uh, so it launched last night, and it was incredible. I was stuck in Belfast, so I couldn't see it. I couldn't watch it live. But what we, we went onto, onto Twitter, we started reading, and everybody was commenting online, and you got a sense of how it was being received, which is just an incredible tool, an incredible way to gauge the um, just the temperature of the audience. Um, uh, but people can be very also very quick 
to dismiss it also on Twitter because it is only 140 characters, so it's easily done. But uh, but no, it's 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 an amazing thing. Whereas previously you'd be waiting for ratings and how many eyes were on and you know all that kind of stuff, which it's, means very little. Yeah, it's funny you say that because um, I actually missed it last night as well. But within, I'd say about 10 or 15 minutes when it was over, mm. the review from the Irish Times was already up. Yeah. About it. And then checked this morning, and the Irish Independent had the review up about it. It was just like incredibly fast mm. review straight away about it. Generally, I remember years ago it would have been you'd have to wait two or three days for certain yeah. columnists to talk about what had happened during the week, whatever. But the fact that within 15 minutes of the episode being over, there was somebody with a review about it. Mm. All positive, by the way. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, okay, can I just do to, just because I, I think, you know, as the conversation kind of pro- progressed, I think um, a, a lot of really interesting points. Came came up um, in terms of uh, using. I I think what what web series and using the internet and getting stuff out there at the the moment can really be very useful for. Can actually just be gauging audience interest in a story, uh, and I think storyline was sort of developed with with the intention that it would force people to think about the audience and and you know it is competitive. So if you didn't put in a hook to your series to make people want to see the next episode you were going to drop out and and so it, it made it it was designed i think to force filmmakers to think about their audience but you mentioned um be active uh, and the stuff that they're doing and, and be active for anybody who doesn't know is is an incredibly inventive company um involved in a lot of groundbreaking um uh, series but they tend to to work across uh web series book uh film television uh, interactive games they will do many many different versions of of the story comics Uh, but they use the internet as as their proving ground Uh, they'll develop a story and they'll put online stories from characters that they're thinking about doing a film about and if it gets a million views they kind of go right there are people interested Mm -hmm. in this so let's move it to the next stage and every time they move forward they can they can show somebody there is an audience for this material mm. and if it doesn't get uh, audience engagement they you know they take that cold hard business decision which says we really like mm. this idea but the target audience doesn't seem to so let's move on and develop something else so so when you ask questions at the beginning about are there business opportunities for filmmakers i think yes there are are and and I think people can start to realize that it's a great way of developing that association with your potential audience getting feedback figuring out where they want stories how they're going to consume them and if and that's where it is changing and if people can get away from wanting to do their short film but put it online then I think it's a different way of thinking uh, which will allow people to figure out where their audience is and how they want to engage with those type of stories. Um, so all the audience. To touch on it briefly, because we already have touched on it a bit, um, and I'll open it up to everybody as well here, the uh, crowdfunding, um, your experiences with it, how has it been? Because I know from when people have talked about it in general, it's incredibly useful to get funding from it, but uh, then on the other side as well, it's the amount of people that you know, push and push and push, asking for money. And and it is that sort of thing of you are asking for money for stuff, you know, to your friends and your family. And some people say that, you know, when it comes to crowdfunding, if you don't have a big network, it's just not going to work. Mm. So have any of you had any experiences with it? 
Oh, I know what you think. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I only did in a very small scale for like two grand to start off with. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, did, it's you find it, did you find it hard getting the two grand or was it? It's hard because you're asking for money. Yeah, exactly. And it's just really, it's, it's really, I'm thinking about doing it again though. <laughs> yeah. This time for 20 I have to do grand. it this year. No, the reason why I have to do it this year is because uh, I was shortlisted for signatures with a great script about Yates and uh, we didn't get it but the thing is this year is 150th anniversary of Yates' birth and Yates Day is in June and if I miss not doing the script this year it's kind of not going to be the same doing it next year Yeah. so I'm kind of like I'm with timing I'll have to do it so um, I don't know I, I went to that talk a while back in Full and Base with yourself, Alan. It was um, the guys who did the hit producer mm-hmm. and they did really well. But crowdfunding is the same thing. It's just sitting there eight hours a night and just <laughs> every night contacting people. The only thing which I've done now in the last two years is I think I've built up a good... I have a list of different people. And when I do my crowdfunding, I'm going to contact all of them. <laughs> and I'm going to contact them again and again and again. But uh, no, crowdfunding is, um, because I only did it on a small scale, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it was just a tip, tipping my toes in. But I, I think uh, I admire anybody mm. that really gets into it. But especially for marketing, mm. it's, it's brilliant. It's was good. Was it it's easier for you because you had two episodes that you could show people already? So you said, this is the product. This is, and I want to complete this product. Um. So it's what you know. You weren't from scratch per se. Yeah, I just I did it really quickly. So I just wanted to get the money in because I knew um, a lot depends on the web series as well. The hard thing was because we did the first series like one month, and then the second series two months later, and then the other series a while back. I had to try to keep um, everyone happy and kind of everyone on good form, and I was using somebody's house, and I had to make sure that I thought if I I mean, if I, if something happens in the house, they're not going to want me back. So I was very, I had to, uh, I just have to be very, very careful that mm. everybody was happy and they enjoyed the experience. And um, that worked out good. So that's why I tried to do it really quickly. So it was just, anybody, just give me money. Can you give me money so we can finish this? And then, of course, the, the cast and crew, a lot, everyone came on to help out. So there was a good, um, there was a, it was a good, um, good community spirit mm. at the time but also a very I, clear objective and like and you say there's clear, something yeah. already there and we need to complete it you know yeah than and then when we did complete it and then we went to all the festivals and then we started winning awards people were really proud to have been part of it and to have had their name attached mm. and that's what i want to show to people as well is that anybody who did want to get involved it was uh it was nice that we did stick by our word and we did get the product out there and we did get all these really good reviews and it's nice to be part of because you know it's um, I don't know I like people be part of something and to feel good and if they like Cuckoo maybe they'll support the Yates product the Yates project and they'll think that okay Marie does good stuff so I want to be attra- you know attached to that yeah um, I have a quote here from Robert Levine who, uh, who wrote an article for the Guardian newspaper uh, back in 2011. He says, although the internet has expanded the audience for media, it has all but destroyed the market for it. 
So again, as we've touched upon already, one of the major challenges is piracy um, within the industry and how it affects the earnings of artists and distribu uh, distributors. Is that an issue that any of you have come across yourself? I know um, I've talked to yourself already, Patrick, about it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's funny. Like my, my dad, actually, my dad is a guard, and I've talked to him about this. I said to him, um, you know, on a scale of like one to ten, how big a problem is like piracy in the country? And he was like, it doesn't even measure on it. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, it's quite low piracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the same in the UK, and it's but, now it is it is gathering pace, but. Yeah. Compared to the, the states, it's just. But in terms of certainly with television, it's very visible and it feels very tangible because television broadcasters don't have the budgets that they used to have to make homegrown homegrown drama. But without making homegrown drama, they're not necessarily an Irish uh, broadcaster um, competing within the Irish, and they and and the audience will lose um, a sense of identity with them because they'll just be a another. Um, so, but the but where they get their money from is obviously through commercials and selling airtime. So what's happening is is that people are watching things online. They're watching them on demand, and or press the series link on the box thing, and uh, so they're not watching commercials. They're fast forwarding, you know. And so there's the one or two little commercial that pops up when you went when you go to watch something on a player, but that's against um like cause i know my mom watches coronation street um and she's learned how to use the player on the television god love her <laughs> and uh so but she knows how to fast forward all the things so you know they're not getting the same revenue so the rate card is being slashed so they're getting less revenue so and that's becoming a problem because it's being a problem supporting the irish industry then for like you know from a production point of view as well i, I think there's you know i think there can be a contrary uh, argument to be made about piracy, which to a certain extent uh, it, it can be healthy if the filmmaker's uh, objective is actually to get their work widely seen as opposed to uh, to make finance off it. And I think at the early stage of people's career that may often be a more valuable objective because you may not be getting a lot back in, recruit, uh, in recruitment uh, anyway. Uh, and if someone didn't buy a DVD but they still got to see your film and you're forging an association with them, they want to see your next uh, next one, it, it, it can, I think, possibly have hidden benefits. Um, that's not to say that there is money being lost, but I think it possibly depends on what your value judgment on what piracy is doing is. Um, I would certainly think a lot of uh, the early career filmmakers who would connect with us would actually see it as a badge of honour that their film was worth being pirated. And I've had people say that, uh, you know, they could come in and, and it was kind of like, you, you know, it was not quite the same as, hey, we're number one in the charts, but hey, we've just been pirated. And it was like, this is great. Who's, who's going to see the film, uh, film next? Because they knew in financial terms they were never going to get a penny from that sale. But they knew someone put enough value in wanting to see the film that they put the effort into downloading it. I remember we, we had uh, Brendan County on. Brendan is the um, director who did the director of uh, Hosier's video for Take Me to Church. Mm. And he was telling us the story of he made that for about 1,100 uh, 1, euros. And telling us the stories of how he did it was hilarious. Like Most of the stuff was done in like, his uncle's shed and mm. stuff like that. And uh, he put it up on Reddit and a few other sites and went to bed and then came back the next day and was like 50,000 views on it. And he was like, whoa, all right. 
So he's like, well, that's great. Three days later, he came back and it was 500,000. And he was like, oh crap. So, yeah, like that, it's great for that. And he will actually be the first person to say he's made a career out of it now, out of that one video. Again, on the opposite end of the scale, it's the fact that, you know, if you've spent so much money putting in, putting into a film and it gets pirated, uh, you know, you're not reaping the benefits back from that. But again, as you said, Alan, it's, yeah, it's great. It is kind of a badge of honor for people that if they have pirated, then people are interested enough to, to actually uh, to download it or pirate it illegally is, funnily enough, good, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. It's um, a tricky one. I can't really. I mean, it, I'm sure that it impacts, but from the standpoint of like our one relatively small independent cinema showing a wide variety of cultural products, it's untangling um, the piracy issue from our perspective is almost meaningless. But I mean, for the bigger studios, it's something that they're m much more aware of and they can show much clearer losses from. Um, but then like Alan says, there is that kind of hidden level of like building profile, it shows people are interested, you know, they're sharing, somebody who's pirating is telling their friends, oh I saw that, that's really good, you know, it's, it's I, intriguing. I think it's the movie equivalent of when you used to copy cassette tapes way back in the day, and you pass music around, and then all of a sudden you kind of go, oh actually I kind of like that band, mm. do you know what, I, I want to have a real copy of their CD uh, I don't want a pirated copy anymore or I'm going to go and I'm going to buy a ticket and I'm going to go and see them, uh, see them live I think it's building up let's say brand association or, or even just an awareness for the, the product So, Do you think it'll ever get to a stage with, um, with feature films like uh, you know, Tom York from Radiohead when he did uh, The King of Limbs and he basically just said it's free to, to anybody. People are doing that. There are people who are doing uh, that. There, there, there are some, uh, there are some experiments uh, happening uh, where people are, are trying to give their film uh, away. Um, admittedly, there are people who are working on budgets where they don't need to return a massive investment uh, on that. Um, but people are doing it, I think, with a view to, uh, I'm going to get this film out there and then that is going to help me get my next film made. And maybe on the next film, I'm going to get a decent fee as a writer or producer or a director. And if that works, maybe I'll move on to the, the next one. So it, it is starting to, to happen um, that people are beginning to, to promote uh, promote that. Um, th there is one, th there's one case study I, I meant to kind of throw it in when we talked about um, crowdfunding, which, which I thought was quite, quite interesting. Um, there's a, there's a website uh, called nofilmschool.com which mm -hmm. yeah see a few nodding heads it's a great site um, but the guy who runs that it's based out in New York uh, and a guy called Ryan Koo uh, runs the, the website and he's a very talented filmmaker who knew that one day he was going to run a Kickstarter campaign to ask people for um, over $100,000 so he could go and make his first feature film. Uh, and he, he knew that mysterious strangers were not going to just arrive because he put a call on the internet saying, give me money to make a feature film. So for two years, he built the website, uh, put up regular content, wrote a book, an online digital book, uh, which was on digital cinematography, and if you subscribe to the newsletter, you got a copy of the book. And for two years, he concentrated on building up an audience and giving them content for free and building an association with everyone, specifically with the intention that one day he was going to call on them to give something back. 
Um, and and that uh, and he surpassed at the time. It's been beaten since, but uh, he launched that campaign a couple of years ago, and uh, and it became the most successful Kickstarter campaign for uh, for film at that point. I think he 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 shot past it. Did one hundred and twenty five hundred thirty thousand dollars. Um, and and I think you you know a lot of the people are con connecting through his network as well would be understanding that do you know what you give away something to start with to get something else a little bit down the line complexities and equivocations aside i should probably jump in and just say obviously you know here at the ifi we're working within a clear legal framework and you know it um you know the, mm -hmm. there is a clear difference between giving something away and piracy you know so oh, absolutely I mean, yeah copyright law should be respected oh yeah, yeah. um that is very um, very interesting what you're saying about that because yeah, it is something that I can see people going down, and not, not, not a lot of people, I suppose, uh, understand with the crowdfunding. Uh, yeah, giving something off first will generally lead to them going, yeah, absolutely. But when people go and just kind of ask for money, it, you know, it, it can be quite tough just to get it off. But you give them something first, and then say, well, you know, I scratch your back. It is growing, though. I think. I mean, I was asking some people. I was like, oh, can you go online and? Do it. Oh, my credit card doesn't work, and I don't know how to use this. But I think um, the more and more people that hear about it or know about it or see it and understand how to do it, then you. I didn't fund. I I got into it maybe a year ago, and I've funded maybe. I mean, not I funded, but I've helped um, maybe five or six projects <coughs> since. So it's kind of like um, it's it is growing. It's definitely growing, and as more people get aware of it as well. Like the students, we we run a. Uh, program for feature film making at Filmbase. It's a master's program in, in filmmaking which has been going for a few years now and, and, and of course the uh, students and participants on the program use crowdfunding now as, as one of the principal ways that they would fundraise. So in the first year uh, they set a target and raised a little over 3,000 euros. In the second year they set a target of 10 and they raised uh, 11. And in the third year, which was last year, they set a target of 25 and they raised 26. So even in the space of three years, you can see actually the amounts that have been raised have been, have been going up substantially. But the big thing is, like as, as Maria is saying, is it's, this is not free money. This is not putting a sign on the internet and suddenly finding money being thrown at you. It, it's people working very, very hard, uh, putting in a lot of hours, putting out calls, building up social networks, getting articles online, getting people to retweet everything they possibly could to spread the awareness uh, as much as possible. But it definitely is, and, and I know myself, I've, I'm, I'm the same, you know, over the last few years, I've, I've thrown in, you know, my, my uh, 50 euros or whatever it might happen to be to a number of ca campaigns. But, but I tend to back to be honest, I tend to back people and the call more than the actual project. Mm. Um, I back it because someone has asked me very nicely or I've seen something they've done before and I'll respond to the, the call to try and kind of help them out. Um, because to be quite honest, uh, I'm not spending my time online looking to see if anyone has put up an mm -hmm. interesting project that <laughs> definitely needs to be made. Um, yeah. But people I'll support. Um, Again, to all of you, what do you think are the major ways in which the internet will continue to shape and change the film industry in the future? That's a tough one. Anyway. Shape and change <laughs> the industry. Um, 
Oh gosh. Um, I know we generally kind of. Well, I think that yeah, mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of come through a bit with what Marie's talking about is that uh, with crowdfunding and the kind of engagement that we have now, I think that it is going to start to uh, um, change the actual content that is being produced. You know, it's not just about getting things seen, finding new platforms, building engagement, but that's going to feed back through to the artistic side and. Um, we're going to be seeing changes in the actual artistic process, I think. Um, and you can see that, you know, like a, you know, like you say, demanding screenings, demanding that a film of a certain, you know, um, book gets made, like yeah. Monica Mars or something like that, you know. So I think that, you know, it's going to feed right back through into the creative process. Do any of you think uh, television's had its day? I think it's too early to, to say television's had its day. I do think television is changing. Um, and the question is what it will what what it needs to do to change and adapt to continue to stay uh, relevant. I think it's patterns of watching television are changing. Um, but television itself I, I you know I would never write it off. I mean it's it's great because it's it's a fantastic way of getting to a lot of people very quickly. But uh, but I think with with the exceptions, you, you know, um, Theresa was was mentioning kind of uh, tuning in for live serials. Um, yeah, of course, everyone who's who's engaged with a serial wants to know what's happening immediately, and, and there's mm. that danger of of someone spoiling the episode by telling you before you you kind of catch up. That and and kind of live events, um, they, they or or what they call um, that phrase, you know, water cooler TV, the TV mm. you have to see because yeah. everyone's going to be talking about it the following morning. You know, if it's not for that, uh, I mean, I, I I, know I do it. I'll series link it and I'll watch it when I feel like it. And and now my television channel is everything that's recorded in my DVR and I watch when I feel uh, li like it. Um, so I think it's changing. Um, television isn't dead, but you have to totally mm. rewrite the definition of what television it's, is. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and there's, a, there's an implication there as well. Um, in terms of television contracts that we would negotiate obviously on a regular basis in terms of um, actors pay and that which um, is still very much based on, a, on, a, on, an, on an old now becoming extinct format um, in terms of the, the monetary buyout for internet or for repeats and things like that it's still a little bit lacking you know there's still a line in there for DVD sales which as we all know is going or, you know negligible at this stage so it's just something as well that just needs to be kind of thought about and, and updated a little bit within the industry just to keep keep it alive you know allow people to make a living out of it as well I'd imagine point. those uh, like regulations and stuff that go into the contracts are all very new as well so no they're quite old Oh, really? Yeah, that's the thing. The contracts are quite old. And oh, no, sorry. What I mean by that is just for things like internet and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I mean, they would have been put in years ago when they, it came about and they didn't quite know what impact it would have because okay. everyone was going to watch it on the telly anyway. Yeah, yeah. So just things like that, just it, just to maintain without kind of um, crowdfunding is great, but at the same time, people still need, need to make a living out of it, and so it's very important not to forget that as well. It's not many people's bread and butter, yeah. yeah. Um, thanks I, very much, Grace. Yeah, I think as well also that um, it forces you to be more creative. Mm. And I think that's what I really like. I saw um, 
on two Facebook on Facebook my friend's Facebook page, I saw one five minute piece of footage, which was a normal camera, somebody talking, I was fine. On another Facebook page, I saw the same story, five minutes. The only difference was they added in a little bit of animation, and it was exactly the same story. But I just thought that was really original and that was so different and this has really engaged me. And then I went onto a Facebook page and I had a look. And I think that um, the whole digital and that it's forcing you to be more creative and to do something different. And uh, another funny thing as well, I don't know if it's part of it, but I was in Spain last week and my nephew, who was five, you know those little playing cards that you used to get with like the character from a show? He had a set of cards and on the back of one, on the back of the cards, it said, "Follow the game on your app." I don't know, but the kid is five, and then he's <laughs> like going on to his app to follow the game. And you see people like that; it's really younger people. Um, you know, they're getting them into the whole internet thing. It's mm. like mm. I'm, I'm so, I don't know. I'm really trying to learn so much about it and try to immerse myself and get into it because it's, um, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's. It's exciting, I think, yeah. and it's really forcing you to do different things. I, th I think the broadcasters in general, uh, I think a lot of the broadcasters would sort of admit that from the age of about eight or nine uh, to the age of about perhaps 35, they've largely lost the audience. Mm. The audience drift off in, they find content in, in other ways. And it's only people who might be, you, you know, I'm speaking broadly, but over 35 who are used to the idea that you come home and you press the on switch and you watch the, the TV um, or kids who haven't managed to manipulate uh, other devices but in between that um, that that way of connecting with, with content is really starting to break down so the interesting thing is will that continue to change or will those people as they get older revert back to uh, I think what the, the term is more received content content which is mm. directed at you rather than stuff that you interact uh, with so it, it's too early to answer your question I, I think it, but the point is it's it's in flux at the moment and no one knows what's going to happen with it next cool. thanks guys um, any questions from the audience yeah television is becoming more cinematic and would you say that's a direct result of this kind of VOD culture and where they kind of think oh, people aren't going to go to the cinema, we're going to bring the cinema back home back to the home viewing context I in areas like Fargo for instance, where they're making TV series out of films Yeah, I, I mean I haven't seen Fargo it, itself, but in general I think yeah the, mm -hmm. the answer to your question is, is yes and, and you know, you, you can't go on the internet without finding another article written now about the golden age of TV and uh, and and all of the film writers who are migrating to television and mm. all of the um, A-list actors who are starting to come across to television mm. as well yeah. because they're getting deeper character uh, arcs. Th there's some really yeah. good storytelling happening <coughs> in the, the medium with great production values. So mm. I'd like say generally, yeah. Think of a good example. yeah. Mm. It all started with damages. In I think 2007, when Glenn with Close Glenn played Close. that, that and it's uh, you. If you notice on television, there are lots of strong female leads in television where there just aren't in film. So that was a big instigator. And also, yes, with writers, sometimes it takes two years to get your. I mean, you're lucky if it takes you two years <laughs> to get your film made. Whereas television, you can come in and and the quality of television became better. So it was 
less selling your soul and so you could come in and actually make a living out of it um, but yeah exactly much better character arcs and stuff and, and now yes with True Detective and Fargo and things like that they're, they're more linear in the, the TV series as opposed to the 22 episodes which had you know 10 standalone episodes you know stu- stuck in between the actual story that really had nothing to do with it uh, Fringe very famously put in one of those in which a character came back to life because they had shot it in a different order and that character was supposed to be dead by the time we, we actually saw it within the the, the series um, and they had to try and explain it away so they don't do that they're much less much better and stronger female characters so the, yeah, the, the, the A-list film cinematic actresses are dying to get into television then it's mm. funny that we're talking about the death of television but also the golden age of mm. television content. Mm. So where you don't have centres of population as well and where you have young couples bringing up kids who can't go out to the cinema but they might like to. Mm. Uh, television technology has followed. Uh, I mean, it affected cinema audiences years ago in the 70s when mm. after it started here. But now it's adapting from TV. So you have the idea of home cinema. Mm. Yep. Where couples, they can't afford to go out or mm. Dealing with mortgages and kids and stuff, and then outside of the big cities, you don't have the selection of cinemas like you have here in Dublin. But it's kind of television, it's home cinema cannibalizing itself in a way because it's about different ways of watching it. And Mm. you know, it's because a few years ago it was box sets, but really they're sort of gone now, you know, and now it's Netflix and Mm. all the rest. So, but yeah, you're right, like Fargo is a really good example of you know, where like people's (laughs) ambitions. Um, for a certain story might have been or you know for their careers might have been towards film you wouldn't have found that many people who weren't you know who were working in television who wouldn't sort of secretly dream of like Mm. um, getting a feature film made now I mean it's an end in itself isn't it yeah Yeah. I suppose as well you could touch on the fact as well that you know the likes of HBO Mm. have come up with something themselves where practically everything they do like HBO is synonymous with just quality I suppose anything that they come out with is generally going to be Mm. fantastic I mean, not every uh, network station can say that. You know, they'll always have one or two that they go, nah, it's okay, it's mediocre, but generally stuff that comes out of HBO, people will go, that's good, I want to see that. Just in relation to the TV and film, um, Game of Thrones is actually going to sh- be shown in IMAX now. Really? Wow. Final two episodes of season four. Oh, I yeah. saw that, and there is the first episode of season five? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that, yes. Mm. Should be good. Wow. I made the, uh, the mistake, unfortunately, of... Uh, a certain character's death being mentioned in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so, I won't say anything. <laughs> yes, go ahead. As a consumer, I'd like to ask about web series, because I found that very interesting. And from my point of view, I think the only thing I've watched on the web would be Ellen Partridge's radio, Norwich, Norwich Digital, if anyone mm. knows those. But where, I mean, where do you find them? And is there an argument for there being a central sort of place? I don't know if RTE, like you mentioned, Storyline, do they have a link? look at the latest web sessions here is that something the IFI would do or would it be crowding your own market because I mean I'm really well, interested it's, in, in what it's, you're it's just it's somewhat somewhat different to what we do yeah, yeah. But you would know so much more about this yeah, rather than just surfing you know aimlessly. yeah I yeah uh, there's a web series channel.com but there's also um but that's a really good point because you're about the audience I want you to find web series also if you go to like um, RTE Online or any of the major like Cuckoo Screens on Studio 4 which is the French network so if you go to any of the major um, broadcaster websites they usually have a 
section for web series or art art a have their own as well so but they don't have a huge amount i think now the irish independent they're going into it they're looking for a new video on demand that's so or you go oh, vimeo there's like yeah there's mm. quite vimeo. a few vimeo, vimeo is an online yeah. platform that i mean high maintenance which has already been mentioned the one that i've watched and after they made it on presumably quite a small budget vimeo ended up cutting a deal with them to keep mm. the series on Vimeo and they were actually funding it themselves as mm. a sort of platform. Um, yeah. But it's pretty experimental at the moment really yeah. still, isn't it? And I don't think that like for the Irish consumer, accessing web series, like there's really clear avenues without being it being shared and linked. And um, Yeah, I, I think some of the web series as well are kind of more like reality shows. Some are, sorry. Mm. Um, I It's funny because <laughs> I go to cinema every week. Mm. I don't watch much TV and I watch quite a lot of short films mm. and I see my other friends' web series, but because they're by my friends and her maintenance. So it's kind of like what I'm yeah. hearing recommendations for. Or I love there are a few websites that do, you know, they provide links to web series. Uh, and, and off the top of my head, I can't remember the, the names, but if you Google them, I'm sure some of them will come up. But the, they, they are ones that are just curated by people who have a passionate interest in finding web series and making them available to mm. good people like you who are looking to find, uh, to find them. Um, but it's, it's a little bit random in that sense, in, mm. in that it's whatever somebody has found and managed to find a link to. But mm. you'll, you'll find those and that might be a good, uh, a good starting yeah. place. Yeah, Dark Mirror Daily Motion as well. Um, I'll give you my email. <laughs> That's the best thing. And what I'll do is uh, I'll, I'll look more. In What's your name? Angela. Angela, I'll look more into that for you. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. Well, Thank well, you for Fuster that question. That huh? Fuster. Fuster? That's the other one as well. Fuster, of course. Mm. Any other questions, guys? No? Okay, cool. Um, on behalf of myself and in conversation, uh, I'd like to sincerely thank our panel for their input uh, into the discussion today. And uh, because it is still early on, I uh, wish them all a very happy and prosperous new year. I'm going to be that guy who says that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.